there, everyone. My name is Ari, and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So first and foremost, thank you guys so much for sticking it out with me while I've been organizing and doing these interviews. I am so appreciative. Like I said, the goal of these interviews were to essentially connect you with individuals who I felt had stories that would move you, that would compel you, inspire you, just like the regular stories I tell, stories where you can relate and resonate. This process has been so humbling, so, so fun, so interesting, so fascinating. I am so excited. So today we are going to be speaking with a gentleman named Colin Hughes. Hey there, Colin. Hey, Ari. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm getting better each day. Ah, that's all we could really do out here. So <laughs> that's good to hear. So Colin, we talked a little bit about your story before. Um, you gave me a little bit of an overview, but I'd love for you to start from the beginning, jump right in. Let's hear it. Well, I've got lots of stories. Which one do you want to hear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can totally improvise it. Honestly, I would want to hear any of them. All of your, uh, all okay. of your stories are so interesting to me. So, <laughs> I'm somebody who, if I have a dream, I go after it. I just, I just really, I love what I do and I do what I love. As a child, I had three dreams growing up be a cowboy, be a pilot, be an actor. I rode bulls for numerous years, mm -hmm. competing against some of the most legendary people in the sport of rodeo. And after I start, after I get too old to ride bulls, <laughs> people says, man, you need true? to pick up the mic. Is, is yeah. that ever, yeah. <laughs> people says, you need to pick up the microphone and start announcing rodeos, and I did. And that's where I found out, you know, my love of being behind the microphone, you know, so I've announced rodeos, I've given motivational talks, and you, you put me behind the microphone, I don't care if there's 30,000 people out there. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is going to be You fun. definitely have the voice for it. Absolutely. You. Just your regular you know, speaking voice. I can only imagine how what your voice acting actually is. <laughs> I have a lot of voices. I, I can go from way down here to... Wow! Rain. Rain. I see it. I see it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, now I'm a retired airline pilot and voice actor. So I've got to live out all three of them. I'm accustomed to going after what I want and finding what I want until June 10th, 2022. And now I find myself struggling just, uh, just to find out what having a, a good, happy day is again after the suicide of my granddaughter. That's one battle that I don't know how to win. It's, it's the most difficult thing that you know, it, I had a daughter who died of cancer in 2015. You know, you, you've heard probably heard people say, you know, the, the worst thing you'll ever go through is the loss of a child. Absolutely. That was extremely hard for me, but it pales in comparison to the loss of my granddaughter simply by, you know, the nature of how my granddaughter left this world. So it's... Suicide um, is absolutely something that can 
not really be articulated in terms of the sense of loss and the suddenness. It's that's very true. I um, you know, I've told you about fulfilling my life dreams and things, but once I realized what I could do behind the microphone, I've always wondered there's got to be a better purpose for what I'm doing. I was given this gift of gab, not just to announce rodeos or or I've done some stand-up comedy, not not just to do that, but what is it? I've always wondered because as a small child, I was swimming at this lake where our family was having this big outing and it was like a whirlpool just grabbed me and I couldn't get out, couldn't get out. I, I thought for sure I was going to die and I was probably like seven or eight years old. Someone reached in, grabbed me by the arm, pulled me out of the water. When I went back to tell my parents that this had happened, they didn't believe me. So I go to the next picnic area where this man walked back to after saving me, and I tried to find him, and I described him, and nobody knew who he was. Wow, so you you had seen him and interacted with him enough to be able to describe him to others. This man actually like touched you. This was actually like a physical. You know, I looked him in the face when he pulled me out and I can't remember what he looked like now, but I just remember I couldn't find the man because I wanted him to tell my parents this had really happened because they didn't believe me. Mm -hmm. And um, another time driving to some rodeos, some friends and I pulled off on the side of the road. We're going to go across the street to this little, well, it was a uh, highway, go across this highway to go into the store real quick and then grab some stuff and, and go on to the next rodeo. And we're in this big tractor trailer because the friends owned the rodeo company that was providing the stock this rodeo was going to, so they just couldn't pull in. So, mm-hmm. But I'm in front of this big truck parked right next to the highway, and I step out onto the road to cross the street. And one of my, my nickname back then is Goose, and one of my buddies yells, Goose, get back! <laughs> and I look back, and I mean... I was within inches of this car probably going, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour down the road. Oh, my gosh. Number two time, I could have died. (sighs) There's some other times within that, but the most recent thing was shortly after my granddaughter's funeral. And I was back home one day, and something told me to go to the emergency room. I felt perfectly fine. I had no reason in my mind that I really needed to go to the emergency room. And I use this little twinge in my chest that I get sometimes from my uh, hiatal hernia. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just tell the hospital, tell my wife that I, I'm feeling chest pains. And it wasn't a lie because I had this little twinge in there. And so that's the only thing I could think of to tell her why I needed to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So I went to the hospital Everything was fine with my heart, which I knew it was going to be. And I thought, they're going to tell me go home. But my glucose level was 800. The doctor asked me if I had walked into the hospital underneath my own power. And he's, I says, yeah. He says, man, you shouldn't be walking. He says, you, you should be comatose, if not dead at this point. And, How did you feel in that moment when the doctor told you that? I was shocked, kind of. Yeah. Let, it was kind of hard to sink in mm-hmm. until they, uh, until a nurse was giving me a shot of insulin. I says, you're giving me insulin? I says, yeah. Your, your numbers are through the roof, man. I, <laughs> this could have killed you. I'm like, oh, my God. Insulin? Really? Yeah. And 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. But throughout all these experiences, I've always wondered, what is God saving me for? Why do I have this talent? And why does he keep saving me? What, what is it he wants me to do? When I got the call from my granddaughter's stepfather, you know, I was just, I was yelling at the top of my lungs and bawling and just screaming in it. But even through all that pain, I knew exactly what it was that I need to do. And that is to be an advocate for suicide prevention. There's over 700,000 suicides in the world mm. each year. And one is too many. And I can't share with people who, who have not been through it the pain that it causes. It's just that little girl was, well, she's 15, so she's not this little bitty thing, but she's 15. Her birthday, her 16th birthday would have been last week. And my wife and I had taken her to Hawaii with us on a trip, and we just had a blast. She was always smiling, always laughing, always having fun. The last person in the world I would have expected to do something like this. And, you know, a lot of families have thoughts, well, you know, this could happen, you know, uh, illness could happen, or, oh, Uncle Joe, he's got cancer, or, or whatever it is, you know. But for this to happen, it's just so sudden. And, you know, I was never angry at my daughter from dying of cancer, of cancer, but I was angry at my granddaughter afterwards. I was never angry, ever angry with her in life. But I have been in her death. I think it was a week ago or sometime. I've got another granddaughter who's 16. Mm -hmm. And she and I have been texting. She texts me almost every day. <laughs> it's, it's so much fun to communicate with her. So this granddaughter likes to communicate mostly through text message. Mm -hmm. and, and I went to bed one night. When I woke up, I saw I had a missed call from her. And I thought, oh, she hardly ever calls. It's always text. And I mean, she texts me religiously every single day. Mm -hmm. So I texted her back and said, you know, hey, I see I had a missed call from you. You know, what, what's up? And she just texted back that she was feeling down and she needed somebody to talk to. And that somebody is you. Yeah. And since I wasn't able to, she found somebody else. But first I thought, you know, how amazing that felt for her to reach out to her grandpa. Yes. <laughs> I saw a picture of the granddaughter that I had lost. And I got so angry. I just went in front of that picture and I yelled and I screamed, why did you do this? Why did you, why didn't you call me? Why? <laughs> Take as much time as you need, please. It's a very real shared emotion. Anger is very real. Anger was not something I felt with my daughter, but I certainly felt it with my granddaughter. 
and it just leaves a void like I can never explain. How validated did you feel when you essentially asked that other mother who had also experienced the loss of her son in a similar fashion that the anger was, you know, she would shank him. Like the anger is there as well. I felt, you know, felt validated, but then I, I, I was relieved at myself that I thought, okay, this is a normal thing to go through in this type of situation. Yes. I wrote a, an essay on a website that I put up after losing my granddaughter. It's called stopsuicide.life. You know, yeah, I'd never heard of a dot .life URL before. So I says, you know, yeah, I tried, and I've tried these different ones, you know, stopsuicide.com, that's taken, .net, that's taken, .org, that's taken. And then on um, this hosting site, you know, list all the things you can, then way down at the bottom, the different selections it had was dot .life. And I thought, how appropriate. Stopsuicide.life. And then also I've got stopteensuicide.life. Which I'm going. Yeah, that's not up yet, but when I get it up, I'm you know I'm going to mirror it into the to where you know if you type in one, mm-hmm. you get they all come up together. I'll put these in the um, show description too. Okay, so people can go. Thank you. The You're um, welcome. Stop Life, The front page. I wrote an analogy of uh, wrote this. Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. it. Just a one one page, about three or four paragraphs about this predator that's lurking in the dark, a serial killer called suicide. Mm, oh man. To me, it really kind of yeah. explains what suicide is. I've got a friend who is a therapist that had a client that attempted suicide, but it was a failed attempt. And I guess this individual remembers nothing of the actual attempt. Wow. Why is that? Why? It's an amnesia, like a single event amnesia sort of thing? It's like somebody takes over their body. It's like somebody else. It's not them. Oh. Okay. So how that happens, I have no clue. You know, the main, the main thing I want to get out there is... If anybody is feeling these, you know, has suicide ideology, find some help. There's someone out there that loves you. I grew up in a home where it was not a loving home. I don't think the words were ever said. Mm. And mm-hmm. a lot of the words were just opposite of love, you know, with manipulation and anger and yes. and even some physical abuse. Absolutely. So I, I never felt that love at home. But there's always somebody who loves, who loves. If you don't think you have anybody that loves you, there are people out there that love you. If you can't find that love at home, find it in friends. And I'm not talking about, you know, the guys you hang out with or the people you hang out with who, you know, kind of, the, you know, want to lead you down the wrong road. Not the guys you're going to go out to the drinking all night with or stuff like that or gangs or just anybody that's a negative influence. Find somebody who's a positive influence and hang out with those individuals. I've got a friend who came from Watts, California, one of the worst areas in Los Angeles. 
and he found the positive influence. And world's champion bull rider from Watts, California. Wow. <laughs> One of the greatest people you ever want to meet. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie Sampson. Just one of the greatest people. Yeah, you betcha. Shout him out. Aw. <laughs> a fantastic individual. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. didn't go down, you know, a path that he could have living in Watts. And, but he found something positive in his life. And that was uh, riding horses at a local a place not too far from where he lived. That I think an mm-hmm. uncle of his took him there. I can't remember the whole story, but he's talked a little bit about it. But he found somebody who cared enough for him to get him out of a negative environment. He had a mother at home who was just incredible, though. And Charlie's got a lot of brothers and sisters, but her her mother is another thing that is just a testament to what a good parent can do. Because mm-hmm. Charlie's amazing. His I've never had the pleasure of meeting his mother while mm-hmm. she was still alive, but. It would have been an honor to because of, you know, he, oh, he, you know, he's one of those people that talk about admiring your mother. (laughs) That was, that's Charlie. But that just goes to prove even in an area that's so difficult, he found people outside of his home that were a positive influence. And mm-hmm. if you think nobody loves, even if you are not a believer of, of God at all, go to a church, go to a synagogue, anywhere where you can find a religious leader who knows about love and can talk to you. I thought about this back in my early 20s. I've taken my own life. And I called up a leader of my church. My wife and I remember it's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Or, uh, a lot of people refer to it as Mormon church, but there's never been a Mormon church. It's the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. I called a church leader in, in one of these things. Back, back in this day, when I was in my 20s, there's these things today, back in those days, that were called payphones. You <laughs> stick a quarter in this slot and then you can dial the number. Yeah, and there were even pay oh, phones. Oh, God, are pay antique now? Oh, yeah. Yes. Here, here comes the big thing, the really amazing thing about these. There were some of them that were hung up on a post that you could drive up to and talk while you're sitting in your car. <laughs> amazing technology. <laughs> yeah. And so I, Incredible. I was sitting in my car and I called one of the church leaders, and I simply told him, this is what I'm going to do. All I want to know is, is my soul going to be condemned once I go through this? I said, that's the only question I have for you. And he told me, he says, well, you know, I don't know where you are. I don't know how to stop you. I'm unable to stop you, but you just give me a few minutes before you go and do what, what, what you want to do. I can't remember what he told me, but all I know, it was a message of love. He told me that he loved me. He told me there were people, he says, all the members of our congregation or ward, as we call them, they're all of our members of our ward, they know you, they love you. They're there for you. They're your friends. 
they'll be saddened by what you're doing. And we'll suffer a great loss if you do this. And I'm still here. (laughs) That connection, the importance of love, first and foremost, like you said, connecting with people, community, understanding that you matter. In that moment, you may not understand or see or feel that way, but having somebody else speak it to you, it, it can really make all the difference. It, it truly can. It really can. And if somebody feels they don't have anywhere to go, the crisis hotline has a brand new number within the past couple of weeks or so. It's so Go simple. ahead, shout it out. 988. Instead of dialing 911, which everybody knows, call 988. If you're in a crisis, you're having suicidal thoughts, you feel that you really need to talk to somebody, call 988 is the crisis hotline. That is 988. Oh, and by the way, did I say that number is 988? <laughs> yes. We literally shout it from the uh, from the rooftops. I cannot advocate enough for the importance of using the crisis hotline, using your resources, leaning on your community connection. Um, all of those things can really, really make an impact, be the difference between life and death, literally. So it truly can. So before we wrap it up, Colin, is there anything else that you would like to say? Anything that you'd like to plug besides your, of course, we're, like I said, we're including the crisis hotline <laughs> in the show. We're in the show notes. We're including the, your two websites, please. What would you like to leave us with? Well, I'm, one of the things that I'm trying to do is to get out of the schools and colleges and take my message to, because from the ages of 12 to I think it's early 20s, suicide is the number three cause of death in people this age. Wow. Yeah. And I want to get out there amongst, you know, people who really need to hear this message and tell them what they're doing when they leave behind. I, I can't tell you, I can't stress enough the pain that somebody leaves behind from all this. And then the pain that people feel themselves. There's another way to to get rid of that pain, and that's to seek help. You know, get accounts, anything you can do to just talk to somebody. Nine eight eight. Go to a local church. To go to a local synagogue. Find friends who are positive. Don't give up. Hang in there. Fight for your life. I mean, literally fight for it. I've fought to live every single day of my life. I have fought to do what I want in life. I have. I wanted to be a bull rider, and I went after it, and I fought after it. I wasn't the best in the world, and I wasn't one of the, the top 30 in the world, but I was doing what I wanted wanted to do because I fought to do it. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. wanted to be an airline pilot, and I fought to do it, and I did it. And now I'm being a voice actor, and I'm I'm not fighting. I'm having fun. <laughs> yeah. But good. I want to fight to save your life if you're having those kinds of thoughts. Please, if you hear me, you are worthwhile. You are loved. If nobody else, if you think nobody else in the world loves you, listen to me. I love you. 
And with that, Colin, this has been no words. Just so grateful for you coming on. Seriously, I thank you so much for having the courage to share your story with us, for sharing your pain with us, for sharing your triumph with us. We are so appreciative and you have made the world better by, by, by <laughs> now sharing. Now you're making you me blush. You have. This is so, so moving. Seriously, so moving, so compelling. Thank you so much, Colin. Um, and with that, everybody, thank you so much for listening you can find more information about the podcast at madeinmetalpodcast.com and as Colin said I love each and every one of you please do not forget to bloom where you are planted